0: happy Sunday, everybody. Mother's Day edition. That is right. We are still live on Sunday service. Sunday service is a creative finance podcast. Hopefully you guys are having a good evening. We are going to get into one topic and one topic only. That topic is how to get your first subject to deal, also known as sub two. I am known as the sub two guy, the sub two king, the sub two whatever you want to call me. Um, I talk a tremendous amount about sub two and I have people from all over the country call me every single day asking me questions about subject two transactions. And if you guys do not know what a subject two transaction is, we're going to get into that. Hopefully, my partner, Cody Barton, makes it today. It is Mother's Day, after all. I told him to take the day off. He told me, no, man, I will be there. So um, without further ado, we are not going to wait for him. He can come when he wants to come, but we're going to get into it. Again, my name is Pace Morby. I am the founder and owner of Sub2.com. had a pretty amazing weekend. I was able to close out the All in Freedom event with about 800 attendees. I was able to be the last speaker of the day on Friday, spoke after Sean Terry. was unbelievable. had a great time. And while I do have a tremendous amount of work to put into my live speaking, it was uh, about a year since I've been able to speak in front of more than 100 people at a time. So good uh, movement in the right direction. So today, guys, we're going to be talking about how, you, how to get your first sub two deal. We can talk about how I got my first sub two deal if you guys sub two deal if you guys really want to know. And we'll talk about some other sub two transactions that we're in the middle of. What I'm hoping to do today actually is to give you guys some live help. I plan on actually having Cody pull a list of manufactured home parks, RV parks, mobile home parks, whatever you want to call them. RV parks and mobile home parks are actually different. RV parks are more for vacationers, people who are snowbirds, right? seasonal visitors, et cetera. And um, mobile home parks are people who are there more permanently. And we are actually going to start deep diving into those a little bit more throughout the rest of the year. And we have some multifamily projects that we are in the uh, process of building as well. So a lot of big, big things on our plate. When Cody comes in here, I'm actually going to have him pull that list. That list will be able to show you guys how we target certain types of properties, pull up our software, show you guys how we do it. And then we're actually going to start having our team call on those leads and uh, start underwriting those on Sunday Service Live, which will be great. We've got a couple of mobile home parks under contract right now, all utilizing Creative Finance, and we want to teach you guys how to do the same. Essentially what subject two is, What's up guys? Good to see everybody in the chat. Thank you so much. We've got about 150 people between my YouTube channel and Facebook. So thank you guys for showing up. Usually we get to about 250 to 350 live viewers. I imagine because it's Mother's Day, we are going to have a lot less and that's perfectly fine with me. We're just going to hang out, have a good night. So um, let's jump into it. You guys can see me on the screen still. I'm up in the far right corner, but here's my uh, handy dandy whiteboard. So let's get into it. What is subject to, first and foremost? I I think I really failed to do that. I was on stage at this um, all-in event the other day, and I assumed that all 800 people knew what subject to was. And it's uh, one of these things that I fail to remind myself. You have to stop and and, and tell people what the hell you're talking about. I jump into this whole speech, and I had people in tears talking about um, you know, my story and my family and how we came up. And then ultimately the crescendo, the final, you know, bell that I rang was that I just bought a, um, our personal home subject to for about $3 million. And um, people were like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. And I had a lot of people come up to me and ask me, Hey, can I take your picture? And as people were asking to take my picture, they were also asking, Hey man, what is subject to? So I obviously failed 800 people in the audience other than the, you know, 100 or so sub two students that are, uh, students of mine already know what the hell I'm talking about. Um, But we're going to jump into a brief explanation of subject two and a little bit of creative finance so that you guys, um, thank you, David Marsh. I actually got this text message uh, quite a bit um, yesterday and I appreciate you pointing this out made me feel really good. A lot of people texted me and said this, uh, essentially the last day of the event, a guy got up and said 99% of the stuff that he learned over a two day period was fluff, but was floored by pace Morby. Um, thank you for telling me that I got a few text messages as the guy was saying those things. People were texting me like, Oh my gosh, you wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't believe it. Um, so thank you, Sal. He says, I rock the stage, inspiring, educational and engaging. Um, thank you for that. Stacey says, thanks for doing this today. Would you share with us how to do a subject to to live in? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Where I currently am right now, I will give you guys a case study of this house if you guys would like me to. This is my own personal home that I am in, and this home is owned subject to. We have not bought a home uh, without creative finance in quite some time. Um, So I'll go through a couple of those things. John Wayne, Pace, you were awesome on stage. Thank you, man. Really, really appreciate that. Um, yeah, the, Ken Fulton, the guy got up and dissed the event. They essentially, I don't know the, the exact situation and why he felt the need to do that. But what he had done is, uh, I think there was a Q and a section and somebody had the opportunity to get up and talk about what were the top things that they, um, what were the top things that they learned? And this guy got up and said, man, I'm, I'm 50 years old. Most of the stuff you guys are up here talking about is just fluff and there's no actual, you know, um help that you gave us, except for the creative finance guy, and he didn't even remember my name um he remembered subject two, but he didn't remember my name, so the audience reminded him uh, pace Morby he's like, oh yeah, that's the guy um so yeah, he dissed the event Carlos had to um you know it was a great event um they had some amazing people, unbelievable, unbelievable um uh, people but I, I while I do disagree with the guy, uh it doesn't make me feel good that he got something of value from me, and tonight, I hope to give you guys some pretty massive value. So let's get into it. Um I apologize for everybody that knows what subject two is, but let's do a brief a brief definition of what subject two is. Subject two is a process of buying a home, okay? Subject two just means that instead of me, let's say I, I see this home and this home on one two, three main street. I really want this street i want this house because apparently it's the house that everybody wants to buy because it's the always the uh, example that everybody uses is one two three main street so i want to buy this house okay i've got a, a couple of options right option number one is i buy with cash well that sounds crappy i'm not really interested in buying anything with cash right i want to buy everything with leverage right Um, because the reality is I can go out and get two or 3% money from a bank, right? Meaning I can get a loan for 200,000 or $300,000 and pay the bank 3% interest. And if I had the two or $300,000, why would I pay that off in cash when I could turn around and, um, you know, either use that money to fix and flip or use that money to invest in other real estate. And make way 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 more money than that two or three percent interest that i'm paying to the bank so it really doesn't make sense now there are people that prefer to um, buy things in cash and why do people do that is it because it's a good investment no it's because it's safe right no matter what happens that house is mine well kind of right the government comes in and they have this amazing thing called property taxes where if you don't pay your property taxes, they can take your house from you even if you have it paid off free and clear. That does suck, but the cash uh, way of buying this house, let's say that 123 Main Street is $200,000. It's kinda nice, but who the hell has $200,000? I mean, guys, it's really weird. I make millions of dollars, my partner makes millions of dollars, but at the end of the day, I rarely ever have $200,000 sitting around, right? So. Somebody that's just starting out, trying to buy their first home, do you think they're gonna have $200,000 in cash? No, that's why most people that are buying their home, they are going with option two, okay? Option two is what? It is getting a loan from a bank. Now, the disadvantage of getting a loan from a bank is, well, there's a lot. Number one, you have to have credit right? You have to have good credit. I'd say 600 to 650 minimum to get a good loan. Um, Then you've got to have a down payment. Now you could be anywhere between, if if you're a veteran, you could get a 0% down payment, which is pretty cool. I like that. But not many people are veterans. So you could be at 0%, but the average person is putting about 10 to 15% down on their first home. Okay, there are obviously FHA buyers, right? First time home buyers and the FHA uh, gives you the ability to put about 3.5% down. Still, you know, that's a a chunk of money on a $200,000 purchase. So not only do I have to have credit, but I have to have a down payment and I have to have a W-2 job. Do you know the people who have 1099s? It is nearly impossible for 1099 employees. Well, they're not employees, they're independent contractors. It is so hard for somebody who has a 1099 to go out and get a loan, okay? So if you have a 1099, it is nearly impossible to go out and get a loan through a traditional lender, all right? Now, um, not only do you have to have a um, two-year credential is what I call this. This is a credential. You also have to have seasoned capital, okay? So you have to have money sitting in your bank account for a long period of time, so seasoned capital. You also uh, need to have the house appraised, right? So let's say that somebody's selling this house on 123 Main Street for $200,000, but it's really only worth $197. Well, the bank is only gonna give you a loan for $197,000, right? So once you get um, a seller that wants to sell it for $200,000, but it only gets appraised for $197, that seller is going to ask you to come in with that extra $3,000, right? Now, you've got inspections, right? You got all sorts of fun stuff, and the amount of time it takes is horrible. Now, the other thing is if I'm an investor, so forget about my first time home buyer. Let's say I'm an investor. The average interest rate for an investor right now on an investment type of loan is going to run anywhere between 4 to 7%, okay? The other thing is right now the government is stepping in and they are adding fee after fee after fee after fee. They just added a two per, 2.5% fee for all non-primary residences, okay? So if it's not your first home, guess what? The government's charging an extra $5,000 fee on top of that because you're buying it as an investment property. The Biden administration does not want you to be successful as a real estate investor, okay? They, I don't know what the deal is, but they are adding these fees like crazy, all right? Now, um, it's challenging, right? You gotta go through all of these things to get a loan. So what subject two is, right? That's option one. Let's go back to this. Option one, you can buy it cash, okay? Option two, you can go to the bank, Bank of America, Quicken Loans, whoever, whatever, right? You guys get the drift. And I can go down, I can use my credit, I can get a down payment, I can make sure I have a W-2, I have seasoned funds, the house appraises, there's inspections. Um, you know, it takes a lot of time, blah, 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 blah. I pay fees like crazy, that's the crazy thing too, is I pay realtor fees, right? So there's realtors and other people involved that uh, kind of mess up the deal. It is so interesting that a lot of times if I buy a house subject to or with creative finance, so it's option three is creative finance. That means that you are buying the house without the majority of these things. I'm not going out and getting a new loan. Okay. That's kind of a crazy thing. I'm going to tell you what that means. You're not getting a new loan to buy this house. Okay. What you're doing is you're going to the person who bought the house, one, two, three main street. Let's go down here. Let's say that the gentleman, and I actually have a couple of good uh, case studies. Gentleman's name is Dave. And Dave bought the house for $450,000. And he has a Wells Fargo loan, okay? Let me ask you guys a question, okay? Let me ask you a question. Do you guys think that it's a smart thing to go and go get another loan to pay off his loan? Why would I go get a new loan to pay off an existing loan? Okay, why in the hell would I get a new loan and pay all these fees, go through underwriting, put all these down payments? The, the likelihood of this interest rate on this loan is probably about 3.25%. So why would I go through all this hassle and trouble to go and secure a new loan just to pay off somebody else's old loan? Well, I wouldn't, and I haven't for a long time. Okay, so what I do is I go to a guy like Dave and I say, hey Dave, I will buy this house from you for whatever price you want. You want me to take it over at 450,000? Great, I'll take it over at 450,000. All I want you to do is I want you to let me make the payments on that loan. Okay. So now I'm making the payments. However, there's two things involved in a house. And this is the part that confuses everybody. This is the part that confuses everybody. This little thing right here is called a mortgage or a deed of trust. Okay. And deeds of trust are really confusing. Let's just for all intents and purposes, call them a mortgage. I live in a state where we don't have mortgages. We have deeds of trust. But for all intents and purposes, these are the exact same thing. So the mortgage and the deed of trust is simply a debt. Okay, that's what all these things are. These two things, the mortgage and the deed of trust, are just the debt that is owed on a house. Okay, so let me ask you this question. Dave is the owner of this house on 123 Main Street. But he has a Wells Fargo loan for four hundred fifty thousand. So does that mean that Wells Fargo owns the house? No. Wells Fargo does. Um, Wells Fargo does not own this house. Obviously. Dave owns this house. And how do we prove that Dave owns this house? We we prove that Dave owns this house by something called a deed, okay? Deed is the receipt of ownership, okay? So Dave has the deed, Wells Fargo is the debt. These are two completely separate, unrelated things, okay? Is my sound not great today? We've had a couple of people say my sound is not great. Can you guys hear me just fine? Or do I need to switch out microphones? What's the story? Looks like my audio is awesome on my computer. All right. Thanks, guys. Does it okay, so Victoria says I sound great. Thank you, guys. I appreciate that. All right, so... There's a debt and there's a deed, okay? They're completely two separate things. They are not even closely related. What happens a lot of time is when I tell people, hey, I'm going to take over Dave's debt, okay? I'm just going to make the payments." So let's say his payments are $2,000 a month. I'm going to start making the payments to Wells Fargo for that $450,000, but I'm going to keep Dave's name on the debt, not mine. People say, how is that possible? How is that possible? Well, what's cool is that when I buy the house, I actually put Pace's name on the deed. So the owner of the property is no longer Dave. The owner of the property is Pace. It's a very simple process. Okay, The process of transferring a deed is done at the recorder's office in every county. It's very easy. Okay, It costs $17. I can do this on any house today. If the seller lets me, I could take a a warranty deed, or I could take a deed, have the seller sign it. And I could say, the seller says, we're transferring this deed over to Pace. And I could walk down to the recorder's office and buy the house subject to in two minutes, not an exaggeration. Okay. So when I take over the payments to Dave in a subject to transaction, I'm not actually telling the bank that I'm the one making the payments. I just make the payments. That's it. So I'm taking the property or I'm buying the property and taking over the payments. I literally, this is a true story by the way, this Dave character is actually a seller that I've I've bought my house from. Okay, that's this home that I'm sitting in right now. It was a Wells Fargo loan and I log into the bank account and I make that payment every single month. But if you look up the deed and you look up who owns that property, it is actually my LLC. Okay. Pretty, freaking cool. So check it out. Let's actually pull this up. I think you guys will get some value from this. Let Me switch out my screen for a second. We can jump into how to get more subject two deals here shortly, but I just want to make sure everybody's on the same page in terms of what a subject two transaction is. okay? So this is the address that I'm at right now. Um, I used to not give this address out on on uh, purpose because I didn't want people to know where I live and all my stuff is hidden. The cool thing is I'm moving, so I could give two shits. Um, So here we are. This is the house, right? We are, it's kind of hard to see. So let's take this. Hold on a second, guys. I apologize. Let's screenshot this. Let's take this, and then let's import this into my little notability and just add it to the note we are already looking at. So I can actually zoom on in on this stupid thing. All right, so here we go. Boom. all right. So check it out. Here's the address. 2720 North Sterling Mesa. Why was this dollar amount so random that it sold for $372,788 on about 11-26-2019? Well, it's because Dave owed exactly that much money. His Wells Fargo loan was very, very specific to that dollar amount. Okay. So Dave, oops, my bad. Dave owed... $372,788 or $372,788 on his Wells Fargo loan. And when I took over his house subject to, that's what the purchase price ended up being is I just ended up taking the house over for exactly what he owed. Okay, I took over the payments. Did I apply for the payments? Did I put my name on the payments? Did I go to the bank and tell him what I was doing? No, none of that happened. Okay, we've done this with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of deals Um, And that's how it's done. Now, what's cool is check this out. In basically 18 months, it looks like, maybe a little bit less, um, looks like about 16 months, we have made $170,000 in appreciation. That's crazy. In 16 months, I made $170,000 in appreciation wow that's cool so even though my name is not on the loan with wells fargo i own the house so if i own the house guess what i get i get all of the benefits of the house i get all of the appreciation so if the value goes up i get all of that gain because i'm the owner right the owner is the person whose name is on the deed that's the owner and the person who has their name on the debt All they are is the debtor, okay? So Dave, yes, Dave's house or name is still on that debt to this day, 16 months later. I have sellers that um, their house, their name is on the house seven years, from seven years ago. It does not impact their credit. A lot of people will say it does. It does not. I have never seen a situation where it has impeded a seller from going and buying another home. We have ways around that. We've done Sunday services specifically on that. So I'm not gonna talk about that today. All right, there's always somebody to ask a question about what about this, what about that, whatever. Um Sam, Sam Samuel says, uh, wow, 2019 $300,000 house, 2021 $3 million house. Yeah, that's basically how it worked, right? Uh, Lawrence has a good question. He says, what's the benefit of holding your personal home in a in an LLC? Well, the reality is Lawrence, I teach my students this at sub 2 is that my home um, is owned I kind of feel like I'm deviating I apologize guys I kind of want to touch base on this but it um, Lawrence I want to answer this if i don't get back to you please ask that question later because I know myself i'll go down a, a deep rabbit hole okay so here, here we are now the house is worth five forty two thousand dollars all of that gain in the last year is mine now what's cool is my payment on this loan on 2720 is nineteen hundred dollars a month. So what am I gonna do with the property? So not only did I live in the house for 16 months, I could live in it for 160 years, it doesn't matter, okay? Not only did I live in it for 16 months, I'm the owner so I can move out and guess what I can do with it? I'm now turning this into an Airbnb because why not? What's the purpose? What would be the purpose of selling that and getting that $170,000? It it would serve me no purpose. Now, if I was in my retirement years and I didn't wanna work anymore, I could sell the property, get my $170,000 in equity essentially, and move on, maybe reinvest or maybe live on it if I was in my retirement years, but I'm not. I'm in my money making years. And so all that does is I'm going to let that thing ride. I'm going to let that thing continue to grow. We're going to continue to make money and let that thing appreciate. Okay, I'm not going to sell the property. So not only did I make that money, but here's what's cool. I'm now going to Airbnb, this and I will bring in roughly $6,500 a month for this particular property. Okay. It's been renovated. It's dope. It's it's a great, 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 great property. So essentially, after all of my fees, right, all my mortgage that I pay to Wells Fargo, again, that Wells Fargo mortgage is in Dave's name. After all of that, right, and let's say we even have some fluff in here. Okay. Even after some fluff, I'm going to end up netting. Right, guys. Net means I can go buy sushi with it. It's after everything, everything, everything. I will probably make about two thousand dollars a month on this one house. Okay, net in my pocket, closer potentially to three thousand dollars. But my average, I would. I'm just going to bet on two thousand dollars, and if it's better, it's better. No big deal. So what's cool is I didn't have to go get a loan for this house, right? And I have a Wells Fargo loan. I just took. I I took the deed. It's in my name. So if you guys pull it up, you guys will see my LLC name. Let's actually, let's pull it up. Why why the hell not? Right? I do this for my students all the time. I'll give you guys a little bit of uh, information. Um, Let's see. Um, Maricopa County Assessor. Search. Give me just a second. There's always somebody that's going to go. I can't see your screen. Well, I, I'm gonna give you my screen once I get to a, a screen that actually looks like it makes sense to you guys, so chill. 2720 North Sterling, let's pull that up. All right, check it out. Sawaro Cactus Holdings, okay? Sawaro Cactus Holdings is the owner of that property, kind of cool. My name is not on anything here. Everything is all protected. You'll never see my name on a single document. You'll never see my ownership anywhere. You can't even see that my, that Saguaro Cactus Holdings is owned by me, which is kind of cool. Okay. So the reason why I hold everything in an LLC is because I actually don't. The reality is my LLCs are held by something above them. And I'm not gonna go into this for all the students that are sub two students. I actually did a 15 hour mini course all on corporate structure. I'll give you guys a very, very quick rundown um, real quick. So I have a trust. Okay, I have a trust. Underneath that trust, I have a holding company. And that holding company is an S corp. It's where I pay myself. And it's where I donate money to my charity, which I own. Kind of cool, it's also where my charity uh, lends money to my whole life insurance policy. That's a whole thing that I do for my students. And then underneath my holding company are all of my individual LLCs, okay? Um, We have, I believe we have 36 LLCs, something like that. And all of these LLCs are held by my holding company and then my holding company is held by a trust. Now, I'm currently in the process of adding a trust above my trust and that is going to be called a business trust. And this business trust will help me pay even less taxes than I currently pay. So essentially, does the LLC whole, let's say this LLC has the property in it, it does that LLC own that property? Uh, technically, but the reality is the main owner of everything is my trust, okay? My family trust, my family legacy is held by a trust. Okay, so when I show people my ownership on properties, they go, oh, I, I thought you owned things in trust. I do. Hopefully you can see the chain of command right there is my LLC is held and owned by a trust, okay? LLCs give you a little bit um, a little bit more leeway. I could do this five different ways. I could have my business trust have uh, 55 or, sorry, 36 DBAs, but I don't want to do that. And that's a whole nother conversation for another day Uh, Maybe I'll do that with my sub two students a little bit more in depth. Okay. Um, Do you pay taxes on those LLCs? I don't pay any taxes on anything that I do other than when I pay myself. Okay. So when I pay myself, I paid myself last year $35,000. And that $35,000 was for food, fun, and fashion. Okay. The three things that you cannot wrap, uh, you cannot, um, basically avoid taxes on. So I pay myself $35,000, so I show an income, and I paid, I think, $9,000 out of that $35,000, okay? So I did pay $9,000 in taxes last year, but I made millions of dollars. So um, none of these LLCs pay any tax, none of them do, um, because they all um, fold up a K-1 to my holding company. And that's a whole nother conversation for, for another day, okay? Um, yes, I am I am technically living below poverty. Uh, Donovan Richard says, oh, Donovan Richard, one of my students and my mastermind students and a friend of mine. Actually, Donovan's going to be living or staying in my house in a couple of weeks uh, when he comes out to the mastermind. Um, Mike, Boulder, Colorado said, would you speak briefly about your experience with adverse implications, ramifications to a seller's credit if I negotiated down a second um, loan uh, line of credit? Or home equity line of credit or HUD mod in their name post closing. Um, Okay, let me reread that. Would you speak briefly about your experience with adverse implications and ramifications to a seller's credit if I negotiate down? No, you. um, Oh, well, the only time you would negotiate down any of that kind of stuff is maybe if they're behind and it would be uh, a, a bad implication. But we've negotiated things, liens. We've negotiated home equity lines of credit. We've negotiated a whole bunch of stuff. And none of those things have caused any issues above and beyond what that seller already had. Okay. So hopefully you guys understand this. What's kind of cool is that um, if you are a, um, so Ben Gonzalez, you guys are talking, uh, asking questions about taxes and C-Corps and S-Corps and all that kind of stuff. If you are a sub two student of mine, you know that my CPA comes in and talks about those kind of things. And that's not really what Sunday service is about, is talking about taxes and stuff like that. So we're going to avoid talking about those kind of things because I do actually teach people about those, but I teach them in depth, um, not in a one and a half hour uh, podcast, okay? Something that you really want to make sure if you are not a student of mine, I would make sure you reach out to one of my students and learn about all the corporate structuring, C-Corps, S-Corps, all that kind of stuff. What's cool is if you are a sub two student and you did not know this, this coming week, we have now added a new benefit, okay? We have added a new benefit to becoming a sub two student. Now, when you join sub two and all the existing sub two students will get this as well, you all get grandfathered in. My accountant will give every single sub two student, I know that we have a lot of students, um, so but they have 185 employees, so we'll get through it. The sub two students, existing and new, all will get a one to two hour consultation about their corporate structure to emulate the best possible corporate structure, because my corporate structure might not be perfect for you, right? Depending on if you're married, you're not married, whatever, right? There's a a thousand different ways it can go. So my accounting company is going to, not mine, I don't own it. But the accounting company has 85,000 clients. They are massive. They are going to be um, giving every student of ours a one to two hour free consultation on your corporate structure. And what's cooler than that is they are going to be setting up your LLCs and your corporate structure for you for free. The only thing that they're going to charge you for because you are a sub two student, they're going to waive the thousands of dollars that it would cost to set this up What they're going to do is they're going to just charge you for the filing fees at the state so that that costs them no money. They're not going to lose money to do this for you, but they're going to do thousands and thousands of dollars worth of um, accounting services for our sub two students for free. So if you're an existing sub two student, what I would do is if you're in the process of setting up your corporate structure, I would wait a couple of days make sure you book a call with them. Okay. Make sure you book a call with this accounting company because the way I look at it is the amount of time, energy, resources, mentorships I've joined, I actually joined a $20,000 tax mentorship last year with a prolific accounting service. Okay. Prolific, like absolutely prolific. Um, they, Desmond Carey says I'm signing up tomorrow. Perfect. Um, Desmond, I'm not sure if you've uh, got the link to sign up for Sub Two or not, but I will give that away to people. Um, I'm if all my students are in here, I got a lot of students in here. I guarantee it. Um, Make sure you guys are reaching out to my students. If you if you guys can't join a mentorship right now, reach out to my students see if they can help you out. But if you are interested in mentorship, there's the link right there. Um, Anyway, so if you guys are in the process right now and you're a Sub Two student of setting up your corporate structure, wait a week or two, because it took me probably eight years to figure out the things that I've figured out. Um, And I wish I could go back in time. It would have saved me no exaggeration, half a million dollars, no exaggeration, maybe even more, probably closer to a million dollars in money that I've paid to taxes, talking to idiots that don't know what they're talking about. The majority of people just simply don't know. Okay. The majority of people just simply don't know. So that's going to be coming up this coming week. Um, You guys will be able to uh, book a call and get on their calendar so you guys can sit down and talk about your specific situation. And uh, I'm really grateful because what happens is every Sunday in the Sub2 Mentorship, I go through and I look at the topics and the questions that our Sub2 students are most frequently asking. And then what I do is I do a specific bonus Zoom the upcoming week or the week after to solve or answer those questions or concerns about whatever the topic is. And back in January, I had a student that was like, I need help setting up my corporate structure. And I was like, well, you know what? This is a creative finance mentorship. It wouldn't be a complete mentorship if I didn't sit down and explain everything about corporate structure to you guys, how to hold these properties, how to avoid taxes, all that kind of stuff. And so I spent two months doing bonus Zoom after bonus Zoom after bonus Zoom specifically about corporate structure. And then I brought in Toby Mathis from Anderson Business Advisors and Toby Mathis is coming back in, um, I believe this coming Thursday, he's gonna be coming into uh, the sub two mentorship. I'm still working on confirming that. And we're gonna be talking about land trusts and why this and why own a a house in a land trust, why not? And we're gonna argue, him and I are gonna argue because I disagree with a certain, a couple of things. Um, And that's gonna be really, really fun. So if you guys are in the sub two mentorship, look out for this coming week because it's going to be a lot of fun. All right. All right. Uh, no limitless. I'm paying a lot of taxes this year because the gain I made last year from wholesaling, lease options, subject two deals I did and not having the right corporate structure. That is correct. That is correct. Um, so guys, if you are a sub two student, please let the community know, right? We've got nearly 300 people watching right now. Make sure you're letting people know you're a sub two student so that you can work with them. All right. All right. And um, I, I, I whether you join my mentorship or not doesn't bother me. What I what does bother me is if you guys don't reach out to my um, students. Okay. So VW says, how can I reach out to Pace? I have a question to ask on Sub Two. Well, VW ask the question right now. Let's look at it. Happy to help. Okay. Um. All right. So let's get back to the topic at hand. I deviated a little bit because that question, but I wanted to make sure it was answered. Great question. VW, you are here live on an, on a live show, so please ask the question. I am more than happy to answer it, all right? Um, Lawrence Swartz says, Pace, you are the effing real deal, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. Constantly trying to bring more and more and more to my students to the point where they are absolutely overwhelmed, overwhelmed with value, and I will not stop. Daniel Quijano Reach out to Don Rich. He has the hottest voice in real estate. Yes, he does. And Daniel's a pretty bad, big badass as well. So if you guys need help with um, closing deals, um, I would absolutely reach out to Daniel. Debbie Lou actually called me the other day because she had a problem on one of her sub-two rentals in Florida. Congratulations, Debbie Lou. Been in the mentorship. She's actually been one of my private lenders. Um, Debbie Lou's awesome. She has loaned me money on some of our fix and flips, and she owns sub-two properties as well. Okay. Um, Rod Jones says, can you talk about how you structure a deal where the seller has a lot of equity? For example, $600,000 house, 400000 loan balance, $200,000 in equity. I don't have the $200,000. Absolutely. All right. So um, let's check this out. Uh, Oh, Aaron leads pace. How often do you check in on your wholesale and JV company KPIs every single day? I have a Slack channel, Aaron. Um, I will share the Slack channel with you guys on Tuesday. If you'd like me to Aaron, I'll, I'll pull it up on Tuesday and show you every little nuance and conversation that's going on inside of my wholesale and JV company. I am not involved, but I see the numbers every single day. All right. Um, so yes, I, I, I don't get involved, but I know everything. Um, Hey guys, Patrick Bohan says, does the mentorship expire after six months to a year? When does it expire? Why don't you guys, all my students in the side chat, why don't you guys answer that question for Mr. Patrick Bohan? Okay. Um, All right. So a couple of questions thrown at me. All right. Rod Jones, how about I give you a story about a house I just bought? Everybody want to hear the story about how I just bought a subject to deal for $3 million. I think everybody knows that story, um, but I'll tell it again. I just bought a property. I'll show it to you. Well, I haven't bought it. It's, I close escrow on Wednesday and I move in. Actually, this is a house that I'm moving into, which is kind of cool. I'm moving into this house. I was there all day today, just getting ready. I move in, I think probably in a couple of weeks. But I close escrow this coming week because um, we got to paint. We got to do some stuff on the house. Um, I might not paint it. I might not. I don't know. All right. So check it out. This is my house. Um, I am buying this house. It is worth $3 million, roughly. This estimate says the range is between 2.5 and 3.6 million. Dollars Just in the last 30 days, it's gone up about $257,000, which is pretty cool. Here's the property right here, 11,000 square feet, courtyard, courtyard. This is my front door. Um, You're standing on, actually, this is kind of a cool little thing about my house, is that you walk straight into the front door right here, and where the photographer is standing is right where my uh, office entrance is. This is our formal living and formal dining up there in the upper right hand corner. You can see a, pho- a photograph on the stairs. And that's where the entrance to my office is. This is the hallway bathroom by the kitchen. This is the kitchen, except the cabinets are no longer gray. They're all white. Um, pretty dope, pretty dope. All wood floors, massive, massive home. Um, Now furniture and all that kind of stuff is switching out, but uh, this is the game room. This is my office. This is my master bath, master bath, master bedroom. That's also the master bedroom. I got a kitchen, full-size kitchen in my master. This is the guest house. Okay, pretty cool guest house. The guest house itself is 2,300 square feet, three bed, three bath. Um, with a full size gym in the guest house, which is dope. Then we've got a big ass ramada where all the, where my wife can hang out in her bikini. That's kind of cool. This is our backyard. Our pool is massive. It's um, massive. Like I can't even tell you how big this pool is. It's the biggest pool I've personally ever seen. Um, It's my backyard, front yard again. So um, this house, I bought this house subject to, so I did not get a loan on this property. I did not even pull my credit Literally did not pull my credit. Nobody checked my bank account. Nobody checked my tax records. Nobody verified I have any money in the bank. I'm buying it from a seller who is moving to Puerto Rico and needed a fast transaction. And the transaction is $3 million. So the actual breakdown of the deal is $1.2 million is with Zion's bank. So I am actually buying that portion of the home for $1.2 million. Um, That's a loan, right? I'm just taking over that loan. It's an existing loan. The seller technically has $1.8 million in equity. Okay? seller has $1.8 million in equity. Now, we, we structured this even more intelligently because we said, you know, this is a $3 million transaction, But the the seller bought it for roughly $2 million um, a little while ago. So he's actually seen a $1 million gain. So the reality is if he sold that equity to me, that $1.8 million in equity, and um, what we're going to do is obviously it's not a loan with a bank, that's his equity. We're going to create what we call a note or a promissory note or also a fancy IOU. Okay. Okay. So, people that don't understand notes, let's pull up a, a quick note. Let's see here. Looks like we got a couple of creative finance deals in my inbox. That's dope. Thank you, Jennifer Shelton. I appreciate it. We will look at that when I can. Let's see, 78. So, let's look at what a note looks like, guys. A lot of people don't understand what a note looks like. And it's really hard because I feel like I go over this a lot, like honestly, too frequently, where I'm like 45 minutes into a, a Sunday service and People are still asking me questions that we answered a year ago and six months ago and three months ago and two weeks ago. And literally some of these questions were answered last week, but new people are tuning in. So here's a note, right? That means that the seller, I bought the house from a seller for a hundred grand. I owe the house, the seller a hundred grand. This is a note, which means I owe these people right here, $100,000 over 20 years at 0% interest, okay? My payment to them is $375. So a note, all the note is, is that it dictates the terms of the money that you're gonna pay them. So my seller, we created a note. And then as we were creating this $1.8 million note for 0% interest, by the way, I said, man, I feel really bad because I know that you have a $1 million gain on this property, and that's capital gains. You're going to pay $500,000 in taxes to the IRS for this $1 million gain. So why don't we why don't we take this $1 million and instead of using it as the purchase uh, on the home, why don't we break it down to now the home I'm buying the home I'm buying the home for 2 million and then I'm asking you to do consulting for me for 1 million and we then end up having a 3 million dollar transaction so the home the way the home is structured is again 1.2 million dollars in a sub two loan then we have a eight hundred thousand dollar piece of equity at zero percent that the seller is that seller finance And then I have an additional $1 million that I owe the seller in consulting. What's cool about this is this is three separate loans. I have a loan for the sub two that I take over and the the bank is Zion's bank. Okay. Then I have an $800,000 loan to the seller. So I have two loans already on this house. And now I have a third loan that we are calling a consulting agreement What's cool about that $1 million is that as I pay that $1 million, I actually get a tax deduction because I am paying a consulting fee. What's even cooler about that is that as he receives that $1 million, he will only pay 4% because he already moved to Puerto Rico where that is the tax rate for Puerto Rican citizens. And he will save $460,000 in tax money because we structured it creatively. So, guys, it is so interesting when people say, how do I structure something? Guys, if you can write it down, you can make it happen. It's simply that simple. Wally, uh, you says, but wouldn't consulting consider capital gains? No. Why would it be, Wally? I'm super interesting. That's super interesting that you would even say that. I don't understand where that would even come from. So Ben Gonzalez says, "Pace on a hybrid deals where the, there's a large chunk of seller equity in second position with a first sub-first position, do you find it hard to cash flow non-Airbnb?" No, I don't. I just simply structure uh, a deal with the seller where I say, "Hey seller, this is going to be really hard for me to cash flow if I have to make both payments to you at the same time. So why don't you let me pay off the sub-two loan first, and once the sub-two loan is paid off, I will then start making payments to your seller finance agreement." right? There you go. So Mike from Boulder, it is income, but is not capital gains. Capital gains would not, is not capital gains. It is income based on consulting. And because he lives in Puerto Rico, his income is taxed at 4% max. Okay. Um, So Scott Jenkins, this is an interesting question. Did the seller set up an LLC for the consulting fees and does he invoice you? Yes. We actually set this up where his bookkeeper and my bookkeeper. Now the challenge is guys, I'm, I'm, I'm financially pretty organized and so is my seller. So it was very, very, very simple. Okay. It was very, very simple for me to structure this deal because the seller is pretty dang intelligent and has his own corporate, you know, he has his own bookkeeper. So do I actually do the invoicing or do I ever even actually pay the bill? No, somebody else does. I have somebody in charge of my finances. Now, a lot of people, I I hesitate saying that because other people, oh, Pace is lucky. No, guys, no, I'm not. I didn't have a CPA and a bookkeeper that I actually really respected up until maybe 30 months ago, okay? So uh, Bilal says, how do liens work on this? Give me a more specific question. That's a very generic question that doesn't quite make sense so please give me a little bit more in depth that would be super help, helpful helpful um, Claudio says any particular reason you were able to get the seller finance at zero percent of course Claudio the first and foremost reason why you get houses at zero percent is because I paid full price okay I paid full price the seller also think about this Claudio if he sold the house for three million dollars. Think about this, Claudio. Please, 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 Claudio. Think about this, my brother, super smart guy. If he pay, if he sold this house for three million dollars on the market, not only would he have to have paid five hundred thousand dollars in capital gains, he would have also had to clean up the property because he's had a lot of kids living in this house, and I'm taking it over as is. So he saved reno budget of a hundred. He saved taxes because of the way we structured a 500, he saved $300,000 in fees to realtors and commissions and inspection repairs and all that kind of stuff. The seller also had a timeline, right? Had a timeline. He needed to get to Puerto Rico to get his seven months in Puerto Rico. So he was kind of in a rush. So, The reality is, did I really buy the house at zero percent seller finance or did I basically build in all this profit for the seller? So I, if I was buying the house on the market, I would've paid, well, actually my, let's see, I would've paid still the $3 million, unfortunately, but I would've only paid about $2,900,000 plus interest. So let's say that I got a 4% interest loan Because it's a big jumbo loan. If we had a 4% interest loan, I probably would have paid close to $6.5 million over a 30 year period. So I saved a lot of money, right? I saved millions of dollars, but my seller immediately, right in day one, saved $900,000. And so because of that, I can structure the deal however I want. It's the same thing with this other deal here, Claudio. This deal right here, why was I able to get the seller at 0% right here? I get a lot of my sellers at 0%. Why am I able to do that? The reason I'm able to do that is because I gave the seller exactly what they asked for. The seller asked for $100,000. Every knucklehead, dumbass wholesaler was giving them $60,000 offers and $50,000 offers. So in the seller's mind, I've already paid them the interest by giving them their full price. And so that's what I tell sellers. I say, look, why don't we just pre-build in your interest. Okay. Why don't we, I, I, if, if I give you the number you want, let's just pre-build in my interest and we'll do a straight deal where it's a hundred thousand dollars and I just pay it down over because there's no interest. Look how fast I can pay it off in 240 payments. Okay. That's not even the coolest part about that specific deal, but um, that's another story for another day. So um, does that answer your question, Claudio? I hope it does. Cause that was pretty detailed. Um, Yes. Charles Robinson says, Pace, thanks for bringing us so much value week in and week out. I freaking love doing this. It's so fun. Doesn't he have to pay? Uh, bro, It's this is so interesting. Claudio, my guy. My guy. You're too smart, bro. You got that engineer's brain, bro. You're too smart. Um, so this is um, imputed interest is what you're talking about. So Claudio is talking about something called imputed interest. So Let me be very clear with you, Claudio. Nobody has to pay 2% interest on a home. Now, this is what the IRS says. Okay. The IRS says this if you sell a home for $150,000, look that, look this up. You sell a home for $150,000 or more, you are subject to a 1.9% imputed interest rate directly from the IRS. Right? Cool. So the way we structure this is we write in the note that the interest was pre-built in. And so we did charge interest, okay? And the way we structure it, and this is kind of the cool thing. So Claudia, when you get to a deal, because you are a student of mine, I will show you how to do this. We pre-build in the interest and it gets around the IRS thing. Now, I'm actually not doing this on the, the deal I'm buying, the house on 40th Street, the $3 million, why? Because the seller, although he is fully aware of the IRS uh, dictation of, hey, if you sell anything on seller finance at 0% interest, you will have to pay a 1.9% imputed interest rate, guess what? The IRS would have to audit him on that in order for that to actually take place. He says, I've never been audited. I'm not worried about it. He calls his attorney. His attorney says, yep, you're perfectly fine selling it at 0% seller finance. So that's something that's kind of another one of these boogeymen that um, I would say the the boogeymen in creative finance are number one. Um, We've got the due on sale clause. Everybody's worried about the due on sale clause. Um, We get people that talk about imputed interest, right? Um, Ooh, another one is the seller can't get another loan. That's wrong. There's a couple more. A lot of these boogeymen. Hopefully that makes sense. Um. Let's see. Okay, Sergio and Donovan are chatting in the side chat. Sergio and Don. Sergio, you know Donovan's a student, right? You get. You can get his cell phone number. You can give him a call. Just FYI. Um, cool, Claudio. Great question. As always, you have some of the best questions ever. Raylon White. Have you ever heard of investors mailing handwritten note to bank via registered mail to notify them that they're buying the home sub two? They said that they do that um, to stall due on sale clause. So Raylon White, um, I have heard people doing that and some of them are my friends and I always ask them, why are you doing that? What benefit does that serve? And they go, well, just in case, just in case the bank calls the note due, I can tell them, I told you, I sent you a letter. I told you. And I'm like, why would you even do that? If you structure your paperwork and the purchase correctly, the do on sale clause will rarely get called. And if it ever does get called, there's simple, simple ways around it. I have seen multiple houses get the do on sale clause called on them, but I have never seen a home actually get, um, go all the way through the process. There's very simple ways to get around that. I've had students, UE win, had a do on sale clause, um, to them. And, um, we handled it in like two days. Super simple, super simple. There is no reason to write a letter to the bank whoever does that has not been doing um, creative finance long enough okay um so Abuid um, rosas I will never ever ever give away my creative finance contracts they've cost me way too much money in the last forty uh forty thousand dollars is what i I think I've racked up The last time I checked in legal fees, drafting my documents. The only people that get my documents are my students. Now, if you do a deal with my students, then obviously you're going to get some of the paperwork, not all of it, because some of it stays at title. But You'll get some of it, right? You'll see the purchase and sell agreement. You'll see some of the disclosures for sub two and those types of things. So I highly suggest you go and work with my students if you want to get some of the paperwork, but the only way to get all of my paperwork is if you are an actual student of mine. Um, giving you paperwork is like handing you a loaded gun in creative finance. You need to understand what you're doing. Um, so I'm not really willing to send out creative finance documents. That's like, again, giving you a loaded gun without any training. Okay. Um, so Abuid, there is a link. If you want to join the mentorship, you just asked, I'm giving it to you. Um, yes, Michael Eric Horn says, and seeing the contracts doesn't mean you can stru- uh, structure the deals, link up or join. I highly suggest you link up with my students. Um, Alejandro Alvarez is in Texas. I've got a tremendous amount of students in here. Guys, again, we are now well over 300 people watching. So if you are one of our sub two students, please let the audience know you are happy as a sub two student. You can help them as a sub two student. And let them know where you currently live, even though you can help them anywhere in the nation. Please let them know those three things so that people in the audience can be helped by you. and You guys can actually start doing some deals together, okay? Um, Mike Boulder, Colorado says, it's a simple workout with the bank. Actually, it's not um, what we do. We have done that only one time where we worked with the bank. Um, we ended up deeding the property back to the seller and repurchasing the home on a um, an automatic renewing, a yearly renewing lease option with an option to buy the house at the mortgage balance. That's essentially our workaround for that specific bank. But every other transaction that we did, we did not reach out to the bank whatsoever. Um, th- the other ways that we stopped it. But um, we, you can work it out with the bank, but my my experience is the bank just has a hard rule against it. Um, Adrian says, "Pace, could you go into a detail about the seller not being able to get another loan? I've heard that they're only get seventy five percent of their DTI off their DTI." So, Adrian, great question. Um, again, what did I say? One of the three three misconceptions. Actually, there's a lot more misconceptions about creative finance. But number three, seller can't get a, a loan. So, uh, this home again. I gave you guys the address at the beginning of the of the podcast. So, if you want to get the address and all that kind of stuff, show up to these things on time. I broke this, this deal down. I bought this home. The seller had the house listed. Okay. Now the seller had the house listed because he was in the process of buying another home and the home was being built. The lender for the new home said he could not move into the new home until he sold the home he was currently in. I was able to help him structure the paperwork to remove the home from his debt to income ratio and keep the loan in his name. Okay. Uh, a VA loan does not have an escalation clause correct Lawrence Swartz a VA loan does have an escalation clause if you do not purchase the VA loan on a mirror wrap M I R R O R wrap if you acquire the property on a mirror wrap most people that think they know what creative finance are is have never even heard of a mirror wrap because they've never actually read the VA documents um I get a lot of people I go yeah I bought this on a VA uh, I bought this VA loan on a mirror wrap and there's guys have been in creative finance for 25 years ago. What's a mirror app? And then they Google it and they go, I can't find anything on, yeah, because a lot of stuff on creative finance, you can't figure out on Google or on YouTube or whatever. You have to own a title company or have done a ton of transactions to actually c- clearly understand what a mirror app is. Now, if you are a student of mine, I have brought my escrow officer from my title company into the mentorship to educate people on what a mirror wrap is. So as long as you are buying a VA loan on a mirror wrap, you then will be able to avoid the escalation clause. Yes. It, um, or acceleration clause, or also known as due on sale clause. Um, Thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So Claudio says, would a private money lender lend on repairs rehab for a sub two if you are not the one Be buying, living, or should just pay um, for that using wholesale income, et cetera. Claudio, bro, my bro, like you joined the mentorship, but you don't watch my private, my raising private capital Zooms. I did six Zooms and I created a whole entire raising private capital mini course, my bro. You obviously have not watched those. Please go watch those. Please go watch those. Every single sub two that I own, every single sub two that I own, please pay attention to this. Every single sub two that I own, every single seller finance home that I own, every single mobile home park, every single property that we own long-term has a second position lender. Every single home, Claudio, every single home. So yes, they will go in second position and lenders will actually go in third and fourth position. Smart lenders don't really care about what position they're in. They care about what type of position they're in. So if they say oh i'm in third position what do i care if my loan my first position is a two percent sub two and my second position is a zero percent um seller finance in that situation my lenders are structured in a way that they can take my position if i get abducted by aliens so does it really matter if you're in third position no if it's a cash flowing asset that's being taken care of do you really care the answer is no and if you go and watch those zooms brother you will see not only the documents, I actually give you my lenders names and I show you my lenders notes and deeds of trust that we create. And we, I show you how we secure them, make sure that we um, protect them in every possible way. And I actually brought in some of my private lenders to explain why they don't care that they're in second, third. And I actually have two lenders that are in fourth position on some of my deals, okay? Um, Donovan Richard says that that mini course was fire claudio please go watch those bro i promise you uh, isaac motors yes those zooms are only for students okay so here's the challenge with a podcast like this okay the challenge with a podcast like this guys is that as much as i want to stay just on one topic of how to go get your first sub two here we are an hour and five minutes into the into the podcast and everybody's asking every single other question other than what we started out for And so what's great about my mentorship is that I choose a topic, I only talk about that topic for two hours, and then I answer questions only about that topic for two hours, and I do that three or four times a week, and it's live. So what's great is that now, um, let's say um, last week, we did a a partnership Zoom. Uh, Cody came in and talked about what he does as an integrator Zoom. We had a general Q&A Zoom, and then on Saturday, I had new student Zoom. This coming week, I have um, a partnership Zoom. I have a probate attorney coming in for a Zoom. I have my um, Cody's going to be coming in. And then I have Toby Mathis from Anderson Business Advisor. So those are four completely separate topics that I will deep dive for two hours each. Okay. I tell my students, don't deviate. I tell my students, this is the only topic we're talking about. The challenge is when I do free content, I have not trained my audience to only stay on one topic. Because they're coming in, might be their first time hearing me, even though we've done 75 episodes of Sunday service, they're asking questions that I answered in, you know, Sunday service episode one, okay? So um, Mike from Boulder, Colorado says, your structure on your new home was excellent and shows another depth of creative options. Thank you, Mike. I really do appreciate that. I know that you have experience, um, so that does come, it does mean a lot, okay? Um, Bilal says, got to watch this. What was the name of the mini course? So we currently have, I believe over 15 mini courses and each mini course has about 20 hours of content. So raising private capital is one, right? I show you guys my lenders. I bring in my private lenders. I show you guys how to raise private capital with paperwork that's involved, all that kind of stuff. I have a sales Zoom, um, mini course so that I go through six different processes to train you and your acquisition people on the sales process. So if you hire an acquisition person instead of you having to train them, if you're a sub two student of mine, you just send them through my training, boom, done. I will train your students for or train your employees for you, which is cool. We've done how to hire, manage, and upgrade your VA. We've done um, over 700 seller calls where we've broken down every seller call. These are live calls recorded with my, you know, with video. And then those are broken down by objection. So this seller wanted too much money. Here's how Pace handled it. This seller said that he doesn't like creative finance. Here's how Pace closed him. And here's how Pace handled it. So those are all broken down to a mini course. I'm currently building out. Uh, we then built out a beginner's mini course of how to go build your entire business with no lead flow and no cost of leads. Um, that was a big one. We did a corporate structure mini course. I think we've done at least 100 hours of mini courses specific to really, really um, in-depth things. We're currently go- building one right now about probate attorneys, and we are building one about how to find a good partner, how to be a good partner, and how to keep your partner um, managed, et cetera, et cetera. So tons, okay? Tons and tons of stuff. Appreciate all of you guys. Um, Mike says, I will sub to your new sub to and put a hundred K in your burning pocket. Let's do it. <laughs> no. That's my family home. And it's also where I'm going to be running my mastermind. So my mastermind students will be um, coming to that house and pool party and they'll all bring their kids. We'll have a great time. I love getting to know my students um, not only as students, but friends and Um, You know, a lot of my students have become somewhat family as well. Um, Okay, so Lewis, Lewis says, so what are some action steps to get your first deal when you have a nine to five? Why don't we wrap that? Why don't we wrap up the show with that? Because that was the original topic of the night in the first place. Okay, the problem is people deviate me. They get all these really great questions, and then um, I screw it all up sorry about that. All right. So if I'm going to, if I have a nine to five, right, this is a common issue for people, right? I'll give you guys step one. Step one is nine to five. This is, this is my honest answer. I'm going to, how many people do you think I'm going to offend with this? Nine to five. You don't work enough. People that work 9 to 5 think they're so busy, but I think that ni- people that have 9 to 5s have no clue what it means to actually work. Truly. Really? I mean, it doesn't matter if you're 8 to 8 to 4, doesn't matter if you're 8 to 5, doesn't matter if you're 7 to 5. Y- are you kidding me? Are you truly kidding me? Like this is nothing. This is this is called lazy. And I'm going to offend some people and I apologize, but you're lazy. Lazy. 40 hours? Really? I don't know one person worth millions and millions of dollars that works 40 hours a week that's that's weak super weak so the reality is and here's the thing when you become an entrepreneur when you're let's be honest when you're an employee working for somebody else your effective hours this this is more people are going to tune out i have a lot of nine to fibers that are going to hate my guts people who actually work 40 hours ask yourself this question when you get paid for 40 hours How many of those hours did you literally work? Like, how many of those hours did you really work? Truly, most of the people that are honest are gonna tell you that they worked five to 12 hours, truly worked five to 12 hours for that 40 hours, okay? Oh my gosh, my family members, when we have these conversations, they're like, yeah, I literally work maybe an hour solid every day, maybe two maybe two hours every single day, right? It's 20 minutes an hour. I'm actually working. The rest of the time I'm farting around or I'm trying to stay busy or whatever else. You're lazy and you've been conditioned to be lazy. And then what's, you're also conditioned is that when you get home, um, you get home and now you've got all these other things that you got to do, right? Hang out with the kids, hang out with the wife, um, watch TV, eat, blah, 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 blah. all these things. Okay. This Having a nine-to-five, the hardest thing about having a nine-to-five is that this conditions you to think that 40 hours is actually work. It's not, okay? So here's here's the first step. First step is you have to get home and you have to find two hours every single day dedicated. And if you're most people that have a nine-to-five job, you can actually do a lot of this work from your desk. And what's funny, a lot of people can do this from their home because their bosses are paying them to work from home those 40 hours, and they're not actually working 40 hours from home. Let's be honest, right? Does anybody disagree with me? Dave Pl- David Plata says, um, I completely agree, right? A lot of people, oh, hey, Charlie Hustle, my guy. What's up, Charlie? Good to see you again. So um, it's, it's really interesting. There you go, Tanisha, uh, she's super smart, right? She says, um, I work a nine to five and work my real estate business before and after um, my work hours, working right now while watching this live. So here's your first couple of steps. You got to find two hours every single day to dedicate to this. Two hours. Now, I teach my students, step two, I teach my students, how do I go out and get free leads? Right? Because if you're brand new, there's kind of a risk. There's a risk involved in spending money to go out and get leads. Now, We all know we can download batch leads, right? We all know we can download batch leads and we can text blast, right? Always gonna give you guys my discount code, but if you download batch leads, you can text, you can call, you can do all these things, right? But this costs money. And that's the biggest problem with a lot of people is they're like, I don't have the money. My wife will cut off my my earlobes. My wife will yell at me if I spend money. Meanwhile, your wife is going out and buying nice purses and nice shoes, and she won't let you spend any money on text blasting, but that's cool. Um, so and I'm not saying this to Lewis. Lewis just asked the question, so I'm just kind of saying this in general, okay? Um, so here we go. Love that you actually answered this. So um, Abuid says, "I love what you just said." LOL, I've been working 15 to 16 hours a day for the last six years. It's a habit now, okay? That's that's business owners. Now, um, Joe K85 says, I work 6 a.m. to 6.30 p.m. And I agree with what Pace is saying. There's a lot of downtime, okay? There is a lot of downtime. And that's the reality. Most of the people um, don't understand that their job is really not that stressful. The corporate world is really not that hard. You have a tremendous amount of downtime because corporations have a hard time um, with employees not complaining when they actually have to work. It's why most people now are hiring Filipinos because Filipinos actually work and Americans don't. Okay. Um, and, you know, I'm guilty of that in some degree as well. So the first thing you want to do is you want to figure out how do I get free leads? Okay. Well, um, free leads. I'm going to tell you where free leads come from. Okay. Number one, expired listings. Okay. When, uh, you can get these from batch. Now I think that batch has these, so you can download batch leads. The challenges is this costs money. Again, you can use my discount code batchleadsio forward slash pace. You can get expired listings there. Um, you can also get realtor referrals. I actually, this one's, it's definitely, um, real because the house I'm living in right now, sub two is a realtor referral, but it's not really for a beginner. Now, this is good for price, but so many beginners that don't have a community behind them, like a sub two community or something, they're like, okay, what do I say? What do I do? The, the agent's going to ask me a question and I won't know what to do. And so they just won't take any action. Um, probate attorneys, we get so many deals from probate attorneys. It is crazy. Sub two deals, cash deals. It's crazy how many deals we get from probate attorneys. Um Also, you can do dead wholesaler leads, right? A lot of wholesalers have a hard time converting creative finance because they don't know what it is. I actually have a student of mine right now. His name's Donovan Richard. I think he's on this podcast right now. He's got an assignment fee coming to him for like $362,000 on a deal that a wholesaler couldn't do anything with or didn't know what to do with. So Learn how to work wholesalers' leads and utilize either creative finance or just help them find buyers. That's a really good way to do it. Um, And then five is driving for dollars, okay? So the challenge here is like dead wholesaler leads. This this requires experience, okay? And what I mean by experience is that I don't mean you need to know all the answers. What I mean is that you need to know somebody who knows all the answers, right? So if I'm in, this is why I built sub2.com. If I'm in a mentorship like Pace's mentorship, I then get to know all the students who are experienced, right? Um, Daniel Quijano, Doug Lanza, Sabina, Jimmy Au, Yui Wen. Like I could go on for an hour talking about hundreds and hundreds of students we have nationwide that have the experience. And so what's really great is that the students in Sub 2 turn around and educate and JV on deals with students that don't know what they're doing quite yet. Okay. And I'm available to them throughout the week. So. You don't have to have experience if you're in a mentorship that has a community of people that will help you. But if you're somebody that's not in a mentorship, good luck. Um, I don't know how you're going to solve that experience issue. Um, I don't know how you're going to solve that experience issue. Same thing with probate attorneys. You're going to need some experience, right? And you're going to need some coaching on how to talk to probate attorneys. Realtor referrals, same thing. You're going to have to have some experience, okay, talking to them. And then expired listings, same thing. You're going to have to have some experience. Now, where can I get experience? I can either A, leverage other people's experience by being part of a community. That's why you join, in my opinion, a mentorship. Um, Most mentorships don't have a community. Most mentorships don't want you to know who all the other students are. But in my sub2.com, everybody knows who each other are and what everybody's really good at, okay? So you can leverage people or B you can watch and watch and watch and watch YouTube videos and read books and all that kind of stuff but the challenge is the experience that you need sometimes is very situational and the only thing that you really can get situation experience situational experience and answers on is leveraging a community or somebody who's already been educated there's your answer okay Now, driving for dollars is the least expensive way to get leads. Um, We tell everybody, use batchdriven.com. Batchdriven.com is wildly popular. It's actually going to be the highlight of our TV show that we're filming right now. Batchdriven.com is how we are getting all the leads on that show, which is super cool. We actually are having this TV uh, crew filming us driving for dollars and then also going into these seller's homes. So, Batchdriven.com, I think there's a discount code and that discount code is launch. Gives you some free stuff or an extended trial period. So driving for dollars is great. Now, what's great about Batch Driven is that you can get um, information on Batch Driven for low equity and foreclosure homes, okay? People who have low equity or people who have for, are in foreclosure, Oh my gosh, sub two baby all day long. Okay, that is why I love Batch Driven because Batch Driven gives you this data already built into the app, so it's like Pokemon Go. So you've got sellers that have low equity, you got sellers that have for forecl- or in foreclosure. You drive for dollars, and now what you do is this. Okay, so let's say that you're not one of my students. Okay, let's say you are, um, you know, not somebody that can. Afford a mentorship right now, or you don't have the time or whatever it is. Okay. What I would do is I would find my students in the side chat. Okay. And I would tell them, Hey, I will drive for dollars for you and I will find low equity leads and foreclosure leads. I want to bring those leads to you. Okay. I want to bring those leads to you so that we can work on those leads together. That is what my students are trained to do. My students are trained to bring you up to speed on exactly how to do these deals. I want you to go and work with my students. So if I'm brand new, step one, again, batch driven. This is going to be the cheapest way for you to to get in front of leads. Okay, batch driven. And I would go find all the houses with low equity. And I would find all the houses that are in foreclosure. Or I would find the houses that are vacant. Then what I would do is I would leverage my students and bring my students opportunities, okay? That is what I would do. If I had no money, okay, this is the no money method. This is my, my I'm broke as a joke method, okay? I'm so broke, I can't even f- afford gas. So I got to use batch driven to do virtual driving for dollars or whatever, Okay. This is the I'm broke. I need to get started method. And this is, you know, when I talk to other mentors and influencers that I'm friends with, they say that 80%, 80%, oops, my bad, 80% of their, their people get their first deal from driving for dollars. So if you've never done a deal before, I would suggest starting driving for dollars because you're going to learn your market. You're going to learn the area you live in. You're going to learn um, the streets, and you're going to learn all sorts of amazing things. You're going to also see the the cycle. I think this is probably one of the coolest things: is you'll see the cycle of a foreclosure. A home that's in foreclosure is in your app. You know, let's say today, but in two weeks, it won't be in your app, and you'll go back and look and see what happened. Oh my gosh! When you just do those tasks of like researching what's happening to the homes that are in you know foreclosure or they have low equity or whatever. You will understand the process in which these people are going through, the timeline in which it's happening, and you will be able to get in front of these opportunities so stinking easily. Okay. It is crazy how easy this is. Okay. Now, Scott Jenkins says door knock. Look, door knocking is cool. I love door knocking, um, but I think that most people are simply not going to door knock. Okay. If you're looking for something that's consistent, this is what you do. I'm telling you, I've already given you the guys the answer. One, drive for dollars only to specific lists. Okay. Foreclosures. No equity. This is also again, I'm focusing on creative finance, guys, because if you're trying to if you're trying to be a wholesaler, then no equity is kind of a challenge for you. Okay. Um, foreclosure. Or vacants. Okay. If you focus on these and batch driven, the app gives you all of that information right out of the gate. You don't know how, you don't have to know how to do shit. Okay. You don't know how to, you don't have to know how to do shit except for download batch driven and then step two find a sub two student. That's it. Hey, I have a lead. I need your help. Boom. There's your recipe right there for success. That's your recipe. Done. Does this make sense to everybody? You guys getting some value from that? It's very simple. People ask, how do I get my first deal? I just gave you the whole entire recipe. Okay. You don't have to knock doors. You don't even have to like go to appointments and try and negotiate with a seller. Just find out if the seller is willing to sell. You don't even have to come up with a price. like that's the crazy thing. You don't even have to come up with the price. My students will do that for you. Like, my students will do everything for you, except change your diaper. They will tr- They will handhold you through the process. They will help you get the deal done. Just bring them the lead. Bring them the lead. That's it. Okay? So Michael Eric Horns, um, great, great person to reach out to guys. If you're a sub two student, please throw Anthony or thank you guys so much. Um, I'm going to answer a couple more questions, but I get guys, I just gave you the whole entire playbook right there. Francisco Yasso. Thank you so much. Ben Gonzalez says, um, pace, do you keep all your lenders in second, uh, second positions under the FMV of the home? Oh, full market value of the home. Otherwise, their position wouldn't be secure or correct. What makes a a position secure, Ben? Because let's remind ourselves something really important. Equity comes, equity goes, but the cash will always flow. If my lenders based their lending to me on on the equity position, they would be stupid ass lenders. My lenders based their lending position to me based on the ability for that property to cash flow. Because in Maricopa County, where I primarily buy and all the other counties that I buy in, if the property has cash flowed in the last 50 years, it always cash flows. There's never been a time in any of the areas that I buy that one day it cash flows and the next day it doesn't. Once a property cash flows, it always cash flows. And the reality is it's only going to cash flow even more and more and more as time goes on because rent rates go up, but my payment stays the same, right? So equity position means bunk to me. I don't care about it. It's important to some degree, but the number one, only most important thing that you really want to care about and your lenders have that have a brain in their head should care about is how much money is the property cash flowing? And if for some reason you got abducted by aliens, Ben Gonzalez, can I step into your shoes and have a cash flowing property? The answer is yes. Every single one of my, my owners looks at my properties and say, dude, this thing's cash flowing. I almost want Pace to default. If Pace defaults, I get this property and I take over all the cash flow. So remember that. Equity comes, equity goes, but cash always flows. Okay, hopefully that makes sense. Um, Kenny, man, we have so many Georgia students in Georgia, several hundred, uh, not several hundred, we probably have a couple hundred students in, in Georgia. Um, by the way, I do change diapers too. I am happy I'm happy to change diapers. Brand new people, I am more than happy to change diapers, okay? Michael Espejo says, in South Florida and the prices are getting out of control, was hoping to do fix and flip, maybe find wholesale deals, but I think sub two might be the key, finding deals in this ultra competitive market. So guys, we do wholesale as well, right? We do wholesale, we do a lot of fix and flip. In fact, the TV show we're doing is primarily all about fix and flip. We have a ton of those, we do new builds. Um, We do a lot. We do just about everything you can imagine. Um, marketing, marketing, marketing. Leads, leads, leads. Squatting up, squatting up, squatting up, squatting up, squatting up. The most important thing that you guys can learn is either A, join a mentorship that has a community and learn how, That's kind, I think that's probably one of the coolest things about being a sub two student is that I promote my sub two students so hard that I've got students making hundreds of thousands of dollars a month right now just from squatting up with people who need help. And so join a community of people that you'll learn how to turn around and find 100, 200, 300 people that are looking for help and you can be the person that makes a difference in their lives. That's what I'm teaching in sub2.com. That's either number one, become a student, do it. Um, Or number two, Use my students. Be one of those people that say, look, I don't have enough money to join a mentorship. I just don't. Um, Let me tap into your students and become friends with my students. Bring them deals. It's so simple. The freaking process is so stinking simple. Any students on the Big Island? Yes, we have multiple students in Hawaii. Okay? We have multiple students in Hawaii. We have a lot of students in Hawaii. Daniel Quijano says, he's not exaggerating at all, guys. It legit changed my business. A lot of my students have actually turned their marketing off because we are promoting our students so heavily in the community that um, my free creative finance Facebook group has become one of the, the biggest marketing mechanisms for my sub two students, okay? Anthony Perdomo says, what acquisition do we use for tax lien and mortgage in place? sub 2 you can sub to a tax lane you can sub to an air conditioning unit you can sub to a car you can sub to anything including a tax lane okay absolutely um my, mike from boulder says absolutely Pace the equities position is somewhat secondary compared to a bit of cash flow appreciation depreciation write off and note pay down mike is correct um my lenders do not care now am i buying houses over retail no have i bought houses over retail Yes, I've bought a lot of houses at retail, but guess what? In twelve months, they're not at retail anymore. In six months, they're not at retail anymore. Um, and let's let's be let's be really honest here. If I bought properties in two thousand seven, two thousand six, two thousand five that had twenty five percent equity, did they have twenty five percent equity in two thousand and ten? No, they had negative equity. So again. Stop thinking about acquiring properties with equity and what what the purchase price is. Look only at how you structured the deal and how you can cash flow on that deal because the equity comes, the equity goes, but the cash will always flow. So guys, hopefully this was a good Sunday service for you. Again, if you guys are looking to uh, join Sub2, there is a link there if you want to become one of our students. Join the best community on planet Earth. It is in the, the side chat. I appreciate you guys. This is a lot of fun and uh, hopefully you guys got a lot of value. Please make sure you are squatting up with my students. Please make sure that you that you ask them, you know, tell me how I can bring you value. Tell me how I can drive, you know, again, I'll give you guys the link for this, batchdriven.com. I would focus on, you guys hear my baby screaming in the next room? Oh my gosh. What I would do is I would... Go download Batch Driven. It's the cheapest way to get leads. Then go to my students with leads in your hands and say, Hey, I have sellers that are willing to sell, or Hey, I've got 15 sellers that are in foreclosure. Can you help me talk to these sellers? Go download Batch Driven. Okay. The code is launch. Okay. Batchdriven.com forward slash launch. You get some sort of discount. I don't know what it is, but there's a discount there. Doesn't matter. Shit. Pay double the price. Who cares? At the end of the day, somebody else is going to handle your leads and help you close your deals. Work with the students, build your business, and we'll see you next week on Sunday service. See you guys.